Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mothers and brother are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was in being danger of being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Let's pray, shall we, just for a moment? Lord Jesus, we've already been looking at that question about who you are. And Lord, depending on how we answer that question depends on what we do next. If you are who you say you are, then it makes a massive, massive difference to everything. So Lord, I just want to pray that as we open this short passage of scripture, that you'll encourage us and challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen. There are some times in life when there are decisions that we make that are serious, aren't they? Anybody got to decide what school to go to in the next couple of years? Yeah, a few hands going up, big decision to make. Anybody deciding what subjects to take at the moment? Yeah, one or two hands. Anyone buying a house? Be easy if all houses were like that, wouldn't it? You just pick the colour you like. <laughs> but sometimes it's a bit more complicated. Anyone choosing a job, a career path at the moment? Yeah? Darren, put your hand down. (laughs) Anyone choosing a car? Yeah? Don't you wish it was easy as just going in saying, I'd like a green car, please? That'd be nice and easy, but it's a bit more complicated than that. Some people do, yeah. Or how about this? Choosing what food to eat. Sorry, you'll be feeling hungry now. Do you ever go into a restaurant and order food and then you get the choice of what you've got, and it's rubbish. And you sat there, he offers to Claire all the time, she'll order something, and I'm like, why have you ordered that? And it comes, and it's awful, and I'm sat there with some amazing dish in front of me, and she's got food envy. But it happens, doesn't it? These are big decisions. But there are even bigger decisions in life sometimes, aren't there? Now, we've got a guest speaker with us this morning. And I haven't told the finance team this, but there'll be big expenses in bringing him over from the distance he's travelled, because he's travelled an awful long way to be with us this morning. And I'm going to interview him. Nathaniel, would you come up? I'm not going to try and move those chairs, they're all joined together. Nathaniel, going to come up for me? Travelled all the way from next door. Go on, give him a clap. Come and sit next to me on here for a minute. Don't have the microphone. <laughs> you look really excited to be up here, don't you? <laughs> now, in our house, um, a few weeks ago, there was a big decision was made because Claire's family, throughout the years, have supported Manchester United. Yeah. Here's some big cheers. Now, tell us, did you support Manchester United up until a few weeks ago? 
Go on, yes. say, say it really loudly down your microphone. Yes. You did, didn't you? And did you have a Manchester United kit? Yes. What did you have on your bedroom wall? Can you remember? No. You had some, po- you had some posters, didn't you? Players and things like that. And you had a calendar. All kinds of Manchester United stuff. Which football team do you support now? Manchester City. Wait. So we've gone from this to this. Now, why do you support Manchester City? Because I've had enough of United. Wait, what a brilliant answer. And what are United not very good at doing? Scoring. Scoring. Now, we won't talk about what's on the Manchester City badge, because that would be a bit controversial. But let's talk about what's on the Manchester United badge. Just City badge, sorry. Just to prove that you are really serious. Now, I think most of you know that I'm really into water. Tell us what those three stripes on the badge represent. They represent three rivers in Manchester, don't they? Can you remember the names of them? The, uh, the Medlock and the Irwell. See, here we go. We know everything there is to know. Brilliant, Nathaniel. Right, we'll give you a big clap. You can go and sit back down. His expenses will be in the post. Well, actually, it's costing us, it cost me three packs of match attacks to persuade him to do that this morning. <laughs> this is a serious move, isn't it? Changing from one football team to another. His whole Christmas list has changed. There'll be a Manchester City top to buy. There'll be bedding to buy. There'll be all kinds of other things that he'll want as a result. Depending on how we answer that question, who is Jesus, depends on how seriously we take this passage of Scripture that is before us this morning. Now, as I was reading that, you may be thinking, well, these two short accounts don't immediately seem to have anything to do with each other. One is about Jesus and his family, and the other is about Jesus on the lake. But one thing I want to start off by saying is that following Jesus is serious. Following Jesus is a serious business. Because when we say we're going to follow somebody, it suggests that somebody is leading us. And if Jesus is leading us, It means that we've got to follow where he's going, and it's a serious business. But when you read that first part of the passage, it can seem that Jesus is being a bit out of hand, even a bit rude. You know, my family come and see us sometimes, and we had my sister and brother-in-law around on Friday, we have my mum and dad around sometimes, and supposing I was in the other room, and the doorbell goes, and my mum and dad are stood at the front door, and Claire answers the door and shouts, your mum and dad are here, Jonathan, and I turn around and say, My mum and dad are those who do God's will. You would think, he's lost the plot. You think, what on earth is he on about? What is he talking about? What is Jesus talking about when he says that? Well, in life, we, we spend a lot of time, don't we, with people who we care about. It may be our friends. It may be people who we're at school with or at college with or at work with. It may be people in our family. And we get very tied into the concerns of those people. My dad um, was in hospital this week, and he had to have an operation on Thursday. Now, thankfully, it it all went well, and he came out, and and he's doing fine. But all day, on that Thursday, while he was in the operating theatre, I couldn't put it out of my mind. You know, there's that concern that goes with it, isn't there? You're thinking, I'm praying he's okay. I'm praying he comes through. I'm praying everything is going to go well. That's natural. Jesus calls us to care for our families, to our friends, for those people who are close to us. In fact, Jesus cared deeply for his own family. He says this in John 19, verse 26. This is Jesus at the crucifixion. He says, 
When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. So from that hour, this disciple took her into his home. He took deep care of his mother. I think what he's saying, though, is actually this. If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're really serious about following Jesus, it's not a tag-on at the end of our life. It's not something that we do everything else and then Jesus is like the salvation policy that comes at the end of our life. But it's actually following Jesus is totally central to everything. And it actually comes above everything else. It comes above our family and our friends and our work, our home. It comes above our education or our money or our leisure. leisure. It's a massive, massive life change. You know, Jesus, this is Jesus saying it, not me, but Jesus says, following him, he's either everything or he's nothing to us. He's either everything or he's nothing. So following, it's serious. It's also risky. Verse 22, Jesus calls his disciples and says, let's go over the lake. So they get in a boat and they go over Galilee. Now, if you want a bit of a sense of scale, don't think about Galilee as like Lake Superior. They're not going to go on the lake for months. They're on there for a couple of hours. It's like a big lake district lake. It's eight miles wide. It's 13 miles long. And it's a lake that suddenly fierce storms can come upon it. And the water level can change quite dramatically. When we first got married, um, like most married couples do, we went on our honeymoon. And we booked to go to, to Greece. And um, we were going to go there three weeks after we got married. But just for the first couple of nights of our, our married life, we booked to go in a hotel in North Wales. And in the brochure, the pictures looked idyllic. It looked like it was by a river, serene, surrounded by mountains. We got there. The A5 ran in front of it. We went inside, and it wasn't quite this bad, but it, it, it wasn't far short. The room was dirty. It smelt. It was disgusting. I remember Claire sitting on the bed and crying, thinking, I'm not starting our married life like this. So we booked straight out and went somewhere else. But it's a risk, isn't it? Any decision in life involves risk. Jesus has been going on a boat trip, but then a storm breaks out. Just look at the screen as we're watching this. This is what happens to Lake Galilee when the storm brews up. Suddenly, it'll go from this, and just that's going to keep running for a moment or two. Just keep watching it. The waves get higher and higher and higher. It becomes fierce. It becomes a dangerous place. And the disciples in verse 24 say, Master, we're going to drown. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those positions where you think, this is it. This is the end. This is the moment. Life is going to come to a full stop. This is where they were thinking. The boat was going to overwhelm. But just think for a minute. It's actually Christ who has taken them through the storm. It's Christ who leads them to this place. You know, today in life, if you're following Jesus, do you expect that life will always be like this? Now, that might not be your idea of fun. I don't know what your idea of fun is. But, you know, springing down the beach, able to leap feet into the air with balloons and a beautiful blue sky. I sometimes wonder if, actually, when we follow Jesus, we forget that it's a risky business. We forget that Jesus will call us to follow him, and that will include through the difficult times. 
And we get surprised when life isn't all about balloons and the blue sea. We sometimes think that actually, following Jesus, we should be happy and healthy and wealthy and all these things all of the time. But actually, Jesus will lead us. And sometimes things will get really tough. Sometimes things will be really difficult. It's Jesus who leads them into the storm. And it is a physical storm. And we can't say that this just suddenly symbolizes all the stuff of life. It doesn't. It's about bad weather. That's what Luke's telling us about. And the actual point of this passage is to show that Jesus is in control, even of this type of thing. But I can think we, we can relate this to those times in life when actually suddenly things get a bit choppy. You know, when the things of life start to swirl around us and we think, actually, what's going on here? What is this all about? Has anyone ever found themselves in choppy waters in life? When things aren't going as you wish? Put your hand up if that's you. If you haven't got your hand up, come and tell me how you manage to live life in that kind of way. I would love to know. We can sometimes find ourselves even shouting out to Jesus, I'm drowning. I can't cope with this. I don't know what's going on. I feel out of control. And it's sometimes in the storm that Jesus simply says, trust me. Trust me. You know, the disciples were scared, weren't they? They were petrified. They thought life was coming to an end. But who did he turn to? They actually turned to Jesus. Well, they wake him up, don't they? Wake him up, get him up, but they're panicking. Today, if you're serious about following Jesus, it's a serious business, but it's a risky one. Because following means that we have to go where Jesus is leading. Today, if you're following Jesus, there'll be times when it isn't going to be easy. Faith is about risk. But you know, Jesus won't lead us to places where he isn't going. And Jesus won't lead us to places where he has never been. You know, Jesus has been through everything that as a human being we can go through, even to the point of death itself. Jesus was with them, though, in the boat. Jesus was with them. So I want to ask you a question. Are you prepared to take risks in following Jesus? Or do you just want this? Are you prepared to take risks? Are you prepared to go out on the boat? Are you prepared to see where Jesus may lead you? Even if that takes you through storms sometimes. Because there's a third thing I think we find in this passage, and this actually, following Jesus, is rewarding. Do you ever treat yourself? Yeah? I hope so. Treating yourself is good. It's part of life, isn't it? It's part of the pleasures of the world that God has given us. Yesterday morning, um, both of our boys were doing cross-country running. I took the dog out on a long walk, and Claire watched the boys. Um, and then in the afternoon, we thought, well, we've all... Well, the three of us have done exercise, and Claire's watched the boys. So we thought, well, we'll go out for afternoon tea. I'm going to get in trouble later. And we went, and we sat, and we... We had afternoon tea and we ate cake and we totally undid all the benefit of the stuff we'd done in the morning. But you know, having rewards is not the same as finding something rewarding, is it? Jesus doesn't come round and just sort of give us rewards, if you like, and say, you know, here's a piece of cake because you've come on the boat journey with me. But what he does do is give us a life that is full of meaning and purpose and is rewarding. He turns to his disciples 
And he says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Have you ever read that and thought, what a funny thing to say? You know, if I'm in a storm, a literal storm, and I have been in storms, and I'm thinking, this is scary, is my first reaction to pray that the storm will stop and to command the wind and the waves to be still? Well, mine isn't. I don't know what yours might be, but mine isn't. That's not normally what I do. So what should the disciples have done? Was Jesus really expecting that they should have done what he did? I don't think he probably was. But I think what he was saying to them was, why are you panicking? Why all this stress? Why all this sense that actually this is it? Why are you not trusting that I've led you into the storm, I've led you through it, and we're going somewhere on the other side? Because there was ministry on the other side of the lake. If you carry on reading Luke's Gospel, there's all kinds of things. The lake isn't the destination. It's the other side that is where the important stuff happens. There may be chaos in some of our lives this morning. And you may be thinking, where is God? And Jesus comes again and just says simply, where is your faith? Are you trusting me? Do you know that I'm in it with you? Do you know that if I led you into this situation, I can lead you through it, and I will ultimately lead you out the other side? Do you trust me? It's risky, but it's rewarding. Look at their response in verse 25. Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Who is this? Who is it who's calling us to follow him this morning? What's your answer to that question? Well, it's Jesus, the Son of God. So why is it rewarding following him? Well, if they'd never risked the journey with him, they'd have never known that Jesus had authority over the wind and waves. They'd have never known that Jesus could command the elements. They'd have missed something about the Lordship of Christ. If we don't trust Jesus, we won't see those amazing answers to prayer that perhaps God wants to pour into our lives. If we won't obey Jesus and follow him, we won't have that benefit of that amazing, rewarding life with him. Following Jesus is risky, but it's massively rewarding. Now, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you know, on a personal level, I wouldn't change my life one bit, really, in terms of trusting Jesus. Because though it can be tough at times, and I think my life, just like everyone's, goes through the ups and downs. Seeing God at work, seeing what God can do, is the most rewarding thing I think we can see as a human being. Do you want that kind of life? Do you want a life that has meaning and purpose? Well, Jesus says, follow me. It's serious, not for the faint-hearted. It's risky, but ultimately, it's rewarding. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, you're always calling us to follow you. And today, we just remember again about those accounts in the Bible where you, you simply said to the disciples, where is your faith? Lord, I want to pray for perhaps those of us this morning who are just struggling a bit in some way. And Jesus comes to us again and says, trust me. Trust me that I am with you. Trust me that no matter what the storms of life throw at you, I am there, and I will walk that through with you. So, Lord, thank you for the promise of your presence with us. Thank you that you are with us every step of the day. In Jesus' name, amen.